After ranting and raving yesterday, quickly realized I have friends that are a lot smarter than me when it comes to issues involving the future home of the Oklahoma Sooners, the Southeastern Conference. So I figured, why not just turn to the people that are much more educated on it than me? So we welcome in one of my favorite dudes on the planet, Cole Kublik. ESPN, Sirius XM, Mac and Cube show. He's got his own podcast, and I'm a big fan of Cube. Uh, how's it going so far, though? Are you liking the podcasting world in addition to local radio every day? I guess it's more than local, regional, national radio that you and Mac are basically doing every day. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's fun. It's kind of something that I can do on my own, kind of go my own direction, uh, decide what to, what to talk about. It's, it's hyper-focused, too, so it's, it's pretty much SEC right now, and I get a lot of people who are you got oh, if this was college football, you got to do more of this and that. But the the genesis of what I do on on Cube Show is on Sundays I go through the film of every SEC game and I tell you what I saw. I break down just different portions of matchups. You know what guys were doing, playing, uh, maybe some misunderstandings of who played poorly, who played great, why they did didn't, and then I, I regurgitate that on Sundays. And then so we're just going to keep it going throughout the season and talk about more interesting things, different things. But, like, it's a it's kind of a film breakdown show during the season, and it, it was during the spring as well. So, it um, you know, it's, it, that's kind of the direction that we go. And we, we branch out a little bit here, but there's no way I could get a show out on Sunday and, you know, go watch all the Big 12 and all yeah. the SEC and all the, the Big 10. It's just not possible. You know, it's uh, you had a chance to really dive into Oklahoma, and you can find it by simply searching the Cube Show. However, you consume podcasts. I know that uh, if you follow Cole on Twitter, he tweets the link to the YouTube show too. Um, but just as, as a general thought, how much more work does Oklahoma have to do from what you've seen, Cole, in the trenches from a physicality perspective to be quote unquote, you know, Alabama, Georgia, SEC ready? Offensively, not much. Uh, I mean, I, I think offensively, they're pretty much there. And then uh, from a skill player perspective on offense, you know, I don't think it's a, it's a situation where they're not going to be able to run past people or separate or get open. And physically, I think we know what Bill Beatonville's done with that offensive line uh, for a long time. We've seen the guys who have gone in the draft. I mean, we've seen Creed Humphrey just win a Super Bowl. We, we know what those guys have done at the next level. We know what they've done at the Big 12 level, winning the Joe Moore Award. I don't think that side of the football – really has any concerns and, and that includes this upcoming season where you lost two of your best players um but when i went and studied those guys and, and i see the athleticism of tyler guiding at right tackle like whoa buddy uh I, if he stays healthy he's going to be fun to watch this year and and walter roos who's coming in from stanford at left tackle like he is a mammoth um i do think fundamentally he's got a little bit of improvement that still could come his way but like those two are going to be solid um and then defensively, I think there's, there is a long way to go. I think there's a pretty big gap. And, and I'll say this. It's interesting right now in the SEC, Chris, I, I think that we, I think we're, we are pretty down as far as defensive linemen goes, especially interior defensive linemen. It's, it's just not what it was five or six years ago. There's a chance we get back to it a little bit this year, like Mason Smith coming back for LSU. He was hurt in the first game against Florida State last year. Like He's a guy – that I think could be big time. Like Joshua Harris, the transfer from NC State that's going to Ole Miss. Like he's a big, physical, prototypical, what I think about when I see SEC defensive linemen that can make a difference. And that, that doesn't always mean 20 tackles for loss. Making a difference can be, you know, allowing your linebackers to run free and not be blocked and stay clean and be able to make plays. So 
Um, it's not what it was a couple of years ago. I do think that there are a couple of guys coming on. Like, he Otis at Alabama is going to be big time. Uh, and those are the guys that I see that I watch on a regular basis that I, I don't know if Oklahoma has enough of right now. And, you know, I know the Rondell Voitra kid who's coming in from Wake. So I keep, he's a high-motor, high-energy guy. Uh, but I don't view him as a, as a difference maker, as, as someone who's just going to rip up the edge and give you a problem on every single play mm-hmm. and be a first-round draft pick. So on that side of the ball, yes, I would say that there are – there's a pretty big gap that's going to need to be made up. I think that's fascinating, Cole, what you just said, too. Uh, we, we probably live in a world where, you know, we long for the days of Gerald McCoy and we see the we see the Jalen Carters getting drafted and it's like, gosh, look at all those interior defensive linemen from the SEC getting drafted. But like you said, you know, last year J- J- Jalen Carter was it on the interior of the defensive line. Now, not many other teams had a, a first-round pick from the interior, but – that level of what you typically saw over the last couple of years, why do you think you've seen it dip a little bit? Has it been misses in recruitings, misses in the portal? What, what's kind of led to that in your opinion and not seeing that uh, body type or that domination that you would typically see from some of these interior guys in the SEC? Yeah, I think number one, it's just, it's hard to find. It's hard to find that guy, no matter what conference you're in, no matter you know what kind of NIL structure you have, no matter where you are geographically, it's just hard to find. And, and then, too, I do, I do still think that I know a lot of people think defensive line is see ball, get ball, like just get off the ball and <laughs> cause problems. But there's still some development that comes with that, the utilization of your hands, being able to strike and shed, uh, pad level. You, know, things, it's not, you can't just come from high school where you dominated and be a dominant defensive lineman. So I, I think all of those things probably go into it. And I, I think player movement at any position, I, I think it – I, I think it takes away from your development a little bit. It stresses your development because you're just you're losing. Pri- it's, uh, yeah, there's a there's a great clip that was floating around Twitter the other day about Coach Saban when ESPN did the little two days camp or whatever it was like inside camp. I forget what they called it. And it was it was a staff meeting before the afternoon session, and he's asking his guys about a drill that they did that morning. And he said, "Well, did you just take them through the drill, or did you you teach them how and why we're doing the drill?" And the guy says, well, no, we just, we just took him through it. And he said, okay, so that's seven minutes you wasted that we have to waste again this afternoon. So we could, if we just taught the guys how to do the drill, now we can just come out and do the drill more times. And think about when a player goes from Clemson to Oklahoma or Tennessee to Oklahoma. Like, that's a whole new practice structure you have to go through more times than not. So, and Coach Saban, we've actually had that conversation. He's like, what you don't, people don't understand is, when we lose a second-team player to the portal, now we have to bring a guy in, and he has to figure out how we practice. So he has to know the stations. He has to know the verbiage and the lingo. He has to know what's expected of him when he goes through certain drills, how many times we go through those drills. Well, it takes time to teach those guys that instead of just going out there and going through those drills. So there's a portion of player development that I think is lost anytime somebody moves just because from one school to the other because there's going to be a learning curve. Mm. And so many fans, and I think media too, don't want to accept that, right? It's, oh, no, you better be up to speed as soon as you get there. You're a veteran. All right, if you're an older transfer, or, or you've been around even if you're younger. No, no, it, it takes time. Hey, Cole, two more quick ones, and I'll get you out. First, 
I think there's a fascinating away from the field conversation that is starting to develop, and Nick Saban somewhat kicked it off, though he's always felt that way about getting the four best teams. Are we going to change, in your opinion, any way we determine like seven through twelve? Do you think we'll see more, more of the computer, more of the analytic element? Do you think we'll still try to sell people that the eye test is real? I mean, what do you kind of get the sense of how that selection process is going to be for the at-larges when we get to twelve? I can't imagine us going back to computers, Chris, because this is why we got away from the BCS, right? Right. This is why we hated the BCS. Everybody said, we don't need computers picking our teams. We can watch them. (laughs) But then at at the same time, you just said a very intriguing word, analytics. Like, Think about where we are in sports, not just football, but in sports with analytics right now. Like, I sit there and watch these College World Series games, and I wonder about people that don't really pay attention to baseball if they think it's a different language because these guys are like, oh, man, uh, 122 MPAs coming off the bat with a 35 launch angle and this and that vertical contest. Of the, like, are we watching NASA you know, launch a vehicle or are we watching baseball? Like, we, mm. we have been overtaken by analytics in almost all of sports. We know what basketball has turned into. We see Lane Kiffin going for it on fourth down more times than not. So I, I wonder that because of the popularity with stats and analytics and everything being numbers-driven, is there a portion of the fan base or the powers that be that want that to be more involved? I personally do not because I think we can get a pretty good idea by watching teams and knowing what teams have done and have not done, which would have been my main counter to Coach Saban when he said that because I disagree with the Vegas line. Vegas creates lines to make money and to have certain amounts of money put on certain sides of games. That's not really hard. Like, that's, that's very simple. And I don't really gamble a whole lot. Like, I'm not a Vegas gambling guy, but that's pretty easy to figure out. So I, I, my counter to him would have been, well, you weren't in because of what you didn't do. Right. And that's beat LSU and beat Tennessee. It's not about what you did do. It's what you didn't do. And other teams did not suffer those same consequences. So, I, I don't think we go more analytical uh, just because I, I think, I, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think that solves a lot of the debate. It makes it very black and white. Like your power ranking is, you know, like uh, let's pretend we're PFF here for a minute. Like mm-hmm. your power ranking is 97.2. We don't, we don't know if that's out of 1,000 or out of 500, but certain fans are going to pee their pants about it. <laughs> well, that just solves it for us, right? Like that says, okay, Alabama's in, Oklahoma's in. As opposed to when we, you and I, and five other people have to go decide, that's going to be a much more intriguing conversation about why we decided that, should we have decided that, will we decide that, and obviously that helps make the game much more popular. And then finally, Cole, and I'm very grateful for your time today. We love to hate more than we love to love. What a line. Um, But is that what we need to start preparing for whenever the Sooners and the, the Horns jump to the SEC in 24? Yeah, that's why you guys are a great fit. I mean, this is anytime I go outside of the footprint, people say, "Man, what's different? Why is it different down there? Like, how, why is it?" I said, "We love to hate more than we love to love." And, <laughs> and look no further than what's been happening with Texas A&M in Texas, with Texas coming in about where a game is going to be played. Which technically, the last one was played in College Station, so most normal people would think. That's going to be played in Austin, right? Mm-hmm. But no, A&M folks think this has to be, must be, and now we know it will be, played in College Station for some sort of a make good of one of the most powerful brands in college football coming into your league that's going to help your league 
gain notoriety, gain power, gain revenue, and you get a rivalry game back on your schedule. But still, what do we talk about, Chris? <laughs> we got to have some kind of a make good to play this. Right. That is everything. That is the SEC right there, man. Like, that's it. And I know we've got that with Oklahoma and Texas. I think we're going to generate that with Oklahoma and a couple of other teams. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Cube, I know people can find you a lot of ways, but uh, we mostly want to today send you to check out the podcast and what, just search Cube Show, however we consume podcast. Absolutely. It's at Cube Show 61 on actual YouTube, but if you just search Cube Show two words, it's going to pop up. And uh, like you stated, uh, I did a spring preview for all the SEC teams, and I said, you know what, Oklahoma and Texas are coming in. I know some folks at those two places. I've watched the films of those teams. Let's go ahead and break them down a little bit for this season as well. And I think there's a lot to be excited about for both of those teams. I, I have some concerns defensively with Oklahoma, but on the other side of the ball, I think there are a lot of pieces that people are not really spending enough time talking about that could lead to some really good things this fall. Thanks, Cole. I hope you get, uh, and I know you will, get tons of times with the kiddos and the wife this summer, and we'll talk to you again soon. Always enjoy catching up, Chris. Good guy. Good man. Cole Kublik. How about that? A, a lot to unpack there, though, as well. And it, see, he took that. I Okay, I feel a little bit smarter now whenever he started bringing up that Vegas component. And, and I think that we all kind of agreed. It's, I don't think that Nick Saban was saying, we need lines factored into this. But I love I loved that at first, you know, Cole and I f- felt that same way. It's like, listen, this is what you're going to use as your defense? You're going to use, hey, we would have been the, the favorite according to Vegas? Interesting. All right, it is 10-16. I realized... Today is a deadline day for me, and it's important, and I need your help. We'll talk about it next right here on The Ref. Stick around. See? We can get guests. We can do that. It's going to be part of the show. I'm trying to get Staples on, but I don't know if he's allowed to do anything yet. Why, gotta, why not? He's making a big announcement about a move. So, because he's no longer with The Athletic. Which, by the way, just a little side note, a big athletic supporter. The Athletic, because I love Ari and I love Nicole. I think they all do a great job. Suddenly, it started my – I subscribed to their podcast. And Josh, out of nowhere, it'll just start downloading a show from, like, in March. I mean, is that – are they re-issuing old pods to try to keep their numbers up or Maybe. something? Is that a thing? Because I kind of thought it was my phone. Yeah, it could be your phone. But then I got, I was, I got real excited – that I saw a new podcast, and it was it was Nicole, and I like her Power Hour pod. And when I clicked on it, it was from March. It's like, well, that's odd, so I deleted it. And then this morning, I saw, oh, new podcaster. I'm like, I wonder if this is another teaser. It was another podcast from, like, March. Huh. So either they're juicing their numbers or something, but and I don't know how I got there. But they're Andy's trying to recycle through that thing, huh? Andy is uh, leaving and has left The Athletic and has a really exciting endeavor. But I, I don't know if that's the cat out of the bag quite yet. So, not Staples. We'll get somebody else to help us. A couple of guests every day. Shows shows easy. Yeah, zip right through. Especially when Coach T is waiting on hold. What's going on, Coach T? How are you, man? Hello, Chris. <laughs> What's up, Coach T? I'm getting a little gasoline. I was getting a little low, so I'm had to get a little oil. And I went to get my eyes looked at, and I'm perfect, and I get my surgery Tuesday, so I'll have – Great vision to watch OU next year in football. Oh, boy, you're really going to be able to break down if those defenses make mistakes or what happens in that backfield. I'm excited for it, Coach T. Yeah, 
Hey, uh, I've got one team that's going to be in the SEC that I might hate worse than Texas. Really? Take who, who you think it is. Okay. All right. One team in the SEC. How many guesses do I get, Coach T? They get three? Three. Okay. All right. Um, so, my number one guess, Josh, how about I take one, you take one, and sure. let's see what happens here. I think my number one guess would be LSU based on the nope. – ch- No. No? Okay, because nope. I will tell you this right now. Uh, I, I think he – Brent Douglas, Phil and Brent up in Tulsa, Brent Douglas told me it was one of the most enraging experiences of his life. Two of this day whenever they went to the, the, championship. the championship game. All right, so not LSU. Josh, your guess. Texas A&M. Nope. Oh, okay. Boy, that's tough. Missouri? Nope. All right, who is it? Tennessee. Tennessee? Why who do you, hates Tennessee? Hate right, Tennessee's like a, like a little koala bear. Why, why do you hate them? Well, I'm a, TJ don't like them either. Okay. And uh, I don't like Josh Heupel. And uh, I like him when he played for OU, but I don't like him now. And I hate their baseball team. Because hey. that creep coach... Last year said they're going to win the national title, and then one of his players gets kicked out of the tournament because they act like a bunch of horses' butts. Sit out and of then, the tournament, right? Then, just so you people know. Yeah, and then this year they don't—they get beat again yesterday, and those are the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen in my life. All oh, those were ugly. That dark gray with that orange, pitiful, 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 pitiful. <laughs> so I'm just, i don't like Tennessee. I just don't. All right. It's the same colors as Texas, so that's, maybe that's why. I don't like it. All right. Well, I appreciate your phone call, Coach D. And uh, oh. let me think. One more thing. Oh, I need to ask you one question. All one right, question. Right. One question. Would you hire Hunter Biden at your station? Yes or no? <laughs> Thanks for the call, Thank you. Coach D. <laughs> Good luck with the surgery. I, I want to have, just because I am so not political, and every so often, a, a person will get mad because I'll make a comment about something that I saw on out my Twitter. My Twitter feed is how I consume everything, okay? If you want to know any news or, or any hot political takes that I get, uh, it's all from my social media side. Or my wife, which I thought every, uh, every time there's a political take, we could have a hotline to my wife. Because I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess the answer to that question would be no. You know what Coach T's rant got me thinking about? Have you ever seen the or heard the YouTube video of the guy that's like, I hate Tennessee. Orange, like a bunch of yeah, yeah, yeah. garbage. I got I I don't know if that cusses or not. And I don't wanna Well, we could find out during this break. We'll find out during this break and then I'll play it for you. Thanks, Coach T. Like puke. <laughs> Dog. Okay, so it's a deadline day for me, Josh Helmer. A deadline day for me. And I am usually pretty good about deadlines in the season, right? Knowing that, and by season, I mean from the start of soccer, volleyball, and of course football till the end of baseball. Like it, when we're in sports seasons, I'm good with the schedule. I, uh, I am not that whenever it comes to the summer and the off season. But today is the deadline for the Big 12 media preseason football poll. And in that, the preseason All-Big 12 Conference team, which involves me voting on a bunch of offensive linemen that I have no idea if they're really that good or not. Yeah, basically just look at a mock draft. Right, I'm looking at a mock draft, and I'm putting whomever is the highest rated. But no, in all reality, 
I don't understand the O-line to the degree that Cole Kublik does, and I don't understand the linebackers to the degree that Teddy does. Well, you'd have to sit and watch film and Hours. specifically and watch listen, offensive line. I've got too many. I, I've got way too many of these wrestling shows to catch up on Dark Side of the Ring. I did not know they had, like, new seasons of it. It's incredible, Josh. I was wa- and I know none of these mean anything to you, but I was watching the Dark Side of the Ring on Chris Canyon. I had no idea, no clue. I never listened to Stern back then. I was watching the the plane trip from hell. The fact that one of the it's crazy. It's one of the J- Jr. is the star of it, and it's wild because he had a line in it. And they were talking about the plane trip from hell, just because we're we're thinking about our buddy Jim Ross this week. And he posted the black eye. And in this documentary, he said, you know the great thing about black eye? It heals. It's like, oh, what a, what a great line that is. But anyway, so I've got all this to watch. I can't go watch film. I just can't in the summer. So I don't know what to do with the O-line. Or the, but I just want to specifically ask you, Josh Helm, who would you have numero uno in your Big 12 preseason football poll. Now, if someone else on another station has done this bit already, forget. I, I, this is the first time I've heard anyone taking their ballot to the air, to the air, and getting your opinion on it. Not you, Josh, but the royal you, the people. So what do you think? I guess the the general media public has convinced me that I need to put Texas number one. Mm, mm. But I would think I would think about Oklahoma and Kansas State both, too. I'm if I'd really like to just put co-ones, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, because right now where we sit, I don't know that I have this confidence in any of the three being much better than the other. But I, I'd, I'd probably go Texas one, Oklahoma two, Kansas State three. Every year we put expectations on Kansas State. It's uh, it's not what we anticipate it to be. Every year we don't. They're freaking incredible. <laughs> um, okay. Here, my, my OU homerism will not allow me to keep the Sooners off the top line. But my desire to be objective is kind of conflicting with that right now. Because I can't. I don't know. Is it blind home? I just can't fast. I, nothing in my mind is connecting that Texas is going to be better than OU again. I'm working on facts to try to help me. (laughs) My gut will not allow me to do that. So in trying to be objective, I think I just went ahead and put Kansas State number one. Will Howard, returning quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Defending champion. Deuce Vaughn is gone. They've got the core of their offensive line back. I still, though, Dude, it's weird and concerning to me whenever coaches come out and don't do spring games and blame it on the roster or the lack of depth that they have. That always is a red flag to me. And that's what Kansas State did last year and a red flag all the way to the championship. And they did the same thing this year. So I guess that's uh, just the uh, the Chris Kleiman model now, huh? Okay, let me then let me ask this. Where would you put Oklahoma State? Well, behind... I don't believe these ballots are public unless you want to make them public. (laughs) So we can... Behind TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, and maybe others. To me, Oklahoma State would be in the bottom third of the league, or certainly the bottom half. Agreed. 
Okay. So I've, I had filled out the team, and I want to share it with you when we come back. I want to see then taking your information into consideration, trying not to get too bogged down, and knowing that I have to submit this thing in an hour and a half. I've got my top 14. Okay. And I want to get your take on it next. Sure. Because I just, I cannot, I can't bring myself to accept that anyone other than Oklahoma is going to be in a position to win this league. And I know I need to change that. And objective Chris is like, bro, come on, let's have a conversation. But I'll lay out what I have for you coming up next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Uh, Chuck just asked. Did the app die? Well, we haven't we haven't received eight thousand text messages asking where the app is. So, Chuck might be operator error. I'm still wondering if this is operator error on my part, Josh, with the athletic podcast magically downloading like they are. Uh, for uh, Florida Sooners, we hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line four zero five six five one three four three nine. He asks a good question. How is the tiebreaker going to work in the Big 12? Kansas State doesn't play OU or Texas. It's a good question. I, I'm sure we'll get more clarity on that at Big 12 Media Days coming up. And if it's out there, I just haven't dug deep enough, uh, deep enough to find it. Josh is currently digging as we speak. It's a hell of a question, though. Uh, 405-651-3439. Or, of course, the old school way, the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. 405-329-9000. I am... I am on a run right now, Josh. Let me see. My last call. I'm still kind of in vacation mode a little bit. I haven't made a phone call. Oh, gosh, I've missed about three of them, though, that I need to return. Yeah, Dad on Father's Day would be my last uh, phone call. But I'd love for you guys to call me at 405-329-9000. Cody writes, your analogies are terrible today? Just today? (laughs) I mean, they're hey, pretty bad consistently. Easy now. They're pretty bad consistently. You're joking. Uh, this is a good point. 918, we're talking about Bulldogs. The Bulldogs are called the Bulldogs because they used to go after Bulls, I think. You know, I'll have to double check on that. I think that might be some factual inaccuracies on that front. Oh, speaking of which, I need to get a Mr. Sports call in my future, too. You know, I don't normally do this, but Mr. Mr. Sports, if I understand... I like to imagine Mr. Sports calling the show while he's sitting high atop uh, either a, a mower, a bull. You know, just he's he's missed, he's country man all the way. I, I like to think that most of the hard work has been done when he calls right. in. Yeah, maybe the, the, there's a little towel where he's wiped his sweat, right? Yeah, I, I like to think okay. that he's been up since like 3 a.m. or something. You so. might be right. But I, I, or at least somebody, I think I'm going to have to basically take out my, my rooster. I think it's going to have to be ball game. I think he and I are about to come to a uh, a meeting between me and Axe and him. Now, I know that's not very humane, but Josh, this damn thing attacks me nonstop. It's funny, too, though, because when it's not me and it's my wife and I'm looking at Let's just say I had quite the visual this morning watching my wife fight with our rooster whenever she went out to take care of the chickens this morning. And, yes, I understand it's the most bougie thing ever to have chickens. Sorry, but at least we've de- in, in the thousands of dollars that we've invested in this stupid entity, Josh. We've developed though two eggs so far, so we've had two eggs. But like, get this, dude. The chickens don't. The chickens don't go into their coop. They sit on top of it. That dumb rooster attacks everyone that comes in. Think about punting the thing across the yard. Now, could I get in trouble for that or not? Oh, I I can't imagine on private property. 
Hey, you guys come over here and watch me. It's like that uh, scene from Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> where the bus goes by just as he's putting a bullet in the head of the cow. Yes. <laughs> oh, I need I need a Mr. Sports call in my future. So the uh, the rooster is problematic. Problem, Boss Hog. I, mean, I took pictures of him. I thought he was going to be my guy, but no. Looks like he and I are, are headed in separate directions. <laughs> You're at odds. Uh, here's a good question from Ryan, or at least a good point from Ryan from the 405. All three SEC games in 2024 are better than anything the Big 12 sent to Norman since Tech in 2008. All oh. three home games? Yeah, let's let's think about that for a moment. Three? Because it's Alabama, it's Tennessee, and who is it? South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, it'd be hard to argue, man. That would be really hard to argue. But that was a Yeah, what what else would be a, a top conference home game since Texas Tech? Dude, that's tough. That's real that's a really good question. Can I be allowed to simmer on that one a little bit more and see what the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line aggregates in here for us or Yeah. What would be the top conference home games since the jump around game? And has this surpassed it? Now, the the TCU game. There's been a couple of important TCU games. The TCU game where Rodney Anderson had the first half from absolute, you know, God. That was that was a pretty big game, right? And then those two teams There's, met again in the Big 12 championship. The stakes wouldn't always have been as high, but, you know, some Bedlam home games have been really good. It, it's weird. It feels like the Bedlam home games haven't nearly had – what's on the line for Oklahoma as the Bedlam Road games. For some reason, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always kind of worked out that way that the Stillwater games <laughs> seem to be more important. Sometimes they've stuck the Norman game a little bit earlier in the season, right? Oh, you did win the conference championship, though, there. And what was that? See, my first year was, I think it was 14. I think it was 14. I mean, Alabama nice. alone, no doubt, is better than. No, but it's, it's, it, it's a point that it really makes you think, did we take our bottom of the hour break? Uh, yeah, we oh. did. <laughs> I was, they got this clock right in front of my face now, and it's like, it's 1042, and I hope we took our bottom of the hour. Break. Yeah, don't worry. You didn't oversleep. <laughs> but okay. Well, I, I got to think about this one. I got to think about this one for a little bit. And and the point is, all three of these games are better than any singular individual conference matchup that the Big 12 has given us since Oklahoma, Texas Tech. I would agree on Alabama, Tennessee. I don't know that I do on South Carolina. I'm trying to think of the biggest Big 12 home game that Oklahoma's had since then. I'm nervously going to the text line right now to see. Don't you remember, dummy? (laughs) Dummy. You a couple of bozos? Uh, What about... Any of the Kansas State games, you know, but again, those were early in They're the season. They're always early, games. and you never think Kansas State's as good as they wind up being. Yeah, dude, I that's a great question. And this this is gonna be one that's gonna bother me and lead to me looking at a lot of old uh schedules. Yeah. I, during I, the next commercial break. I, I mean, I think that tells us everything we need to know, though. The fact that there's not just a Game that immediately jumps out kind of proves the point, does it not? Yeah, oh, absolutely. A couple of good uh, pieces of advice here rolling in. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess we need to check the app. Sorry. Hey, is the app working? You guys, do you know anything about the app right now? People are kind of upset. 
And by the here's my piece of advice. I don't know if I've ever been on a radio show that has more ways to get in touch with the show and, and follow us than the ref has. But if you if one app isn't working, we're available on iHeart, we're available on TuneIn, we're available on our own app. You can go stream us and then you know, me, should be able to go, I think, right to the website. Me is an old, yeah, carryf.com. But me is an old school guy. There's this crazy thing called a radio in your car. And you can <laughs> right. like, you can find us on 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, 94.7 FM, up in Tulsa on 1430. So I've never, ever, 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 ever had a show where. To this day. To this day. All right. Um, okay. By the way, just, just clarity. I'm not going to get mad about this. But Sooner Todd writes, how about the 08 jump around game against Texas Tech? Yeah, I, I apologize if I haven't given that disclaimer slash, uh, I guess you could say bookmark. But it was since the 08 jump around game. It's a good one. 2000, um, what did you, someone just said the 2017 TCU game. Yeah, the 2017 TCU game was pretty big time. I think... But the app is working, I can report. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I, Thank I, you, everyone. I, I, y'all, I don't think you understand. I think it, even I forget about it sometimes. The power? There's a lot of people that listen to this show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And whenever someone's like, it ain't working, immediately it's like, yeah, it is. And then that's the show. So that 2017 game was the <laughs> Rodney Anderson game. If you're listening on the app, Thank please you. We appreciate it. Stop. Line. We understand it. Uh, but it – Okay, that was Kenny Hill, because one of the t- the TCU game where they knocked Baker out, yeah. was the year that what was it Sawyer Cole Morgan ended up having a big game, and they nearly damn near beat Oklahoma if it wasn't for Jason Parker's play. Stephen Parker, <laughs> do you know who Jason Parker is? No, but Jason Parker is I think he's the athletic director at Muskogee. <laughs> And he was a great basketball player for the University I, of Tulsa. I shouldn't have corrected you. No, no, no. You should have gone. No, I need it because I, it gives me an opportunity to talk about one of my favorite basketball players of all time, Jason Parker, which also led to my first ever true <laughs> knockdown throwdown with a listener because Jason Parker, Jason Parker, and Jason, if you're listening and you remember this, I, I've kind of felt bad about it, but Jason Parker came on when he put his name, this is a long time ago, put his name as an exploratory process into the draft. And I wanted him to come back to school. So I'm like, well, hey, good luck with the draft process, Jason. But not too much. Not too much good luck. And he laughed. And we let him go. And the very next caller, Josh, how dare you <laughs> not wish anyone luck wanting to go to the NBA? So that was a good throwdown. But, yeah, so that was Stephen Parker who got up and made that yep. play in 15. Big PBU. But, yeah, 2017 was pretty big. And remember, remember, as far as the guidelines for this, the bookends for this, it is conference games. Conference games only since the jump around Texas Tech game. I, I, I like the 16 OU OSU Bedlam game. That's a good one from the 5-8-0. That's one of my favorite games of all time at the University of Oklahoma because you got to clinch a championship what, what, on your home field. Was that the P. Ryan kneel down game? I believe so. If it the P. Ryan kneel down game is 16, and I think the Brennan Clay walk off was 14. Uh, that was an awesome game. Yeah. Well, we, we the stakes, I mean, weren't – yeah, I mean, it's bedlam, but uh, it wouldn't have been the same as the Texas Tech game. But just the environment and the – you remember the party after the overtime? Am I thinking of the Blake Bell game? Yeah, but that was the same year. That was 14. 
right? I thought, I, I don't know, for some reason I thought 2012 Bedlam was, was wild. Well, remember, Oklahoma had to go back-to-back in 2010 and 2011 to Stillwater for Bedlam. Right. That was weird. And then, yeah, you're right, 2012 Bedlam was, that was crazy. That was crazy. Hold on. Was that the walk-off game? 14 was the, yeah, was the okay. repunt to Tyreek. Oh, gosh. So, 12, I think, was what you're thinking of. Yes, that was it. 12, okay, I got to finally figure it out. 12 was the Brendan Clay walk-off. Yes. 14 was the repunt. 16 was taking care of business with Baker Mayfield and his final OU Bedlam game when they celebrated in the fake locker rooms, which are now the locker rooms. <laughs> right. Then 18, that was what, corn dog coming in here and nearly winning the damn game on a last-second throw. What a what a trip the, the corn dog era was. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and the funny thing is I'll never forget that because they went for two, and there wasn't a single OU fan that didn't think, well, Kyler Murray's going to run right down the field and win the game. doesn't matter. I mean, literally, that's how we felt about that. Yeah. Right, sorry. You, you thought that they'd at least, yeah, go get a, a field goal. <laughs> so 12 was the walk-off. 14 was the room punt. 16 then was, the, was the game that I loved because they celebrated in the new locker room. Those were – but again – 18 corn dog. But again, <laughs> I, I don't – makes me laugh. Right, exactly. I don't know if any of those, Josh, come close to measuring 08 tech, right? No, ma- no, ma- no. Ma- Maybe, but just in the – in the massive matchup that it was. Did not have the same, yeah, ramifications. In terms of just the immediate aftermath, right. Bedlam 12 was pretty awesome. But, yeah, it didn't have the same stakes, and the the duration of the game hmm. wasn't like the jump-around game. Who do I blame for starting this? Because it, it was, I think, just a very simple little question that was well, brought up. we should say thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's thank you. It turned into a nice little it, thing here. It took up the whole segment, which saved you from having to hear my Big 12 ballot, which I'll bring you next right here on The Ref. All right. Um, we got there. Josh, we got there when it came to Bedlam's. It just took us a minute. Just took us a minute, right? Oh, we got there. No big deal. The question was brought up, or, or the, the statement was made on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, what the SEC is bringing us in 2012, oh my gosh, in 2024 is better than any conference scheduled game we had since 06 jump around. Oh, wait. Since 08 jump around. <laughs> Didn't we jump around in 06 too? Since 08 jump around against Texas Tech. And we just started going through some of our more memorable home games. Mm-hmm. Some of the years were off by a skosh, but we got there eventually. No, uh, no votes for the Baylor. Uh, let him just uh, oh line up and pitch it game. Bro, that's the most. Se- I spent the entire like fourth fourth quarter back in the tr- athletic training room because remember the shot that Trevor Knight took during that game. Oh, yeah, nobody vote for that, please. And it that was, was, hot. Uh, it was miserable. That's got to be the uh, toward the top of the list for just the. Totally sucks the life out of you game in uh, Oklahoma home game oh history. I think I went home and I cried. So here is my Big 12 uh, preseason ballot. My man Craig, I know, him as, I know him as James. But my man Craig actually was very uh, adamant that I had screwed up with my decision to make one Kansas State my preseason number one. Mm-hmm. But, again, I always have this long uh, – held belief 
that if you finish the season number one, you should start the season number one. So that is my out, and I know it's a bad take. So Kansas State one, Oklahoma two. I put Texas three. Kansas was fourth, TCU fifth, Texas Tech sixth, and Baylor seventh. This is my Big 12 ballot that I'm submitting to the Big 12 as soon as this show rolls. I've got West Virginia at eight, Oklahoma State at nine. I put newcomer UCF, perhaps you've heard of them, Josh, Central Florida. Yes. I've put them at 10 with Iowa State at 11 and a trio of newcomers in Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU, 12, 13, and 14. So you're not buying the newcomers as being altogether good. And yet, BYU, I feel like, is a game that scares you. Right? No, you're absolutely 100% right. BYU scares me, and I think they're going to be the worst team in the Big 12 this year. (laughs) (laughs) Iowa State always scared me when we went there, and they were the worst team in the Big 12 seemingly every single time we went. Preseason, trying to – do a preseason poll, I just always think is so tough. It's, and it's dumb. I mean, it's just really dumb. You're asking a bunch of media members, and based on some of the people I've seen posting their ballots, I guess they're just handing them out to anybody this year after keeping them so close to the vest. But, yeah, there you go. And I think it's smart, too, because it gets radio stations across the country to say, hey, I got a Big 12 ballot. Here's here's what I went with. And more people are talking about the league. But, yeah, I uh, – there's a couple of teams. like I really am buying the Kansas hype this year, which might be something that I need to check myself with. If they with. just marginally improve defensively. Right. I'm not really necessarily buying the Tech hype right now. And if Oklahoma State is counting on Alan Bowman to the degree that people are talking about Alan Bowman, I just don't know if physically he's going to make it through a season. So there you go. Top five stories of the day coming up next.